we have reached a landmark moment in our journey through 1 Peter. We begin our study this session in 1 Peter chapter 2. Yes, you heard me correctly. Chapter 2. We have been swimming through uh, this wonderful letter of encouragement. We've not been snorkeling. We've been scuba diving, as you have discovered. And we finally come to chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. We begin, therefore. We have seen that word before, therefore. And as we said last time, many of us have been conditioned to, to ask whenever we see the word therefore, what is therefore, therefore. Well, as I told you the last time the word popped up in our study through First Peter, the word therefore is a transitional word. It is a transition from what has been said to what is about to be said. When you come across the word therefore in scripture, you could easily substitute the phrases as a result of, on the basis of, because of what the individual has just said. So what has Peter just said? He has been discussing an internal transformation that is evident or that leads to an external demonstration. As we have said, belief begets behavior. Character changes conduct. When you repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus and make him Lord of your life, you are born again. You are made brand new. There is a brand new you inside the same old you. But no one around you can see the brand new you inside the same old you. The only way they know there has been a transformation in your life is if that internal transformation is seen through an external demonstration. Therefore, Peter says, on the basis of demonstrating your internal transformation through external circumstance or external evidence. Therefore, then we see the phrase putting aside. The word is a compound word implying the act of taking off something. In Acts chapter 7, we find that tragic story, that tragic narrative of the stoning of Stephen. The individuals have taken Stephen to the outskirts of the city and they begin stoning him. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, we find these words. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside. That is the same word that Peter uses here, talking about putting aside. They laid aside their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. They apothemenoi, they took off and laid aside. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, therefore putting aside. Peter is telling us there are some things when we come to Jesus Christ that we are to take off, 
that we are to discard, that we are to lay aside, some things that we are to remove, certain attitudes, certain attributes, certain actions that must be taken off and laid aside. I attended a, a little Baptist college on the border of Virginia and West Virginia. When I say on the border, it was literally on the border of those two states. The men's dormitory was in Virginia. The women's dorm was in West Virginia. So we literally had to cross the state line to get girls. It was a very, very, very small Baptist college. But Bluefield at that time was nationally known for one thing, Mud Pig Day. Whenever the bitter winter wind would turn to spring and the snow would melt and the grass would begin to peek through, Bluefield College, when they made that transition from winter to spring, always had Mud Pig Day. Classes were canceled for the day. All kinds of activities occurred. The fire department, the local fire department, would come and empty their uh, fire uh, hose out on the open lawn in front of the men's dormitory. Everything that was in that fire engine, as far as liquid, was put onto that field. All kinds of wrestling and events would occur. And by afternoon, every individual on campus was covered and coated in a brownish-gray, thick mud. It was hard to even tell some individuals because everything was coated with gray. Now imagine an individual at the end of Mud Pig Day going into the dormitory, taking off those muddy clothes, those mud-covered garments, climbing into the shower, cleaning off, getting out of the shower, and then putting on those same mud-covered clothes and walking over to the dining hall. Or an individual that would go into their room still wearing those mud-covered clothes, putting on top of those mud-covered clothes clean clothes and going to the dining hall professing themselves to be clean because they were wearing something clean on the outside. You say, Wayne, that would be absolutely insane. They would have to take off those old mud-covered garments wash and put on clean garments in order to truly be clean. No one would wear those mud-covered clothes and think they were clean. And yet many Christians do just that. They repent of their sin, place their faith in Jesus, make him Lord of life. They claim to be transformed from the inside out, but they still wear the same mud-covered garments of sin and rebellion. Uh, Peter is warning his listeners, if Jesus is on the inside, there are certain things 
There are certain qualities. There are certain attitudes that must be stripped away like those mud-covered clothes and laid aside. And then he provides us with a list of what those muddy garments are. Look at chapter 2. Continue in verse 1. Therefore, putting aside, that is taking off and laying aside, putting aside all. Now he's about to tell us every muddy garment that needs to be removed externally from the life of a believer. Therefore, putting aside all malice. All malice. The Greek word is kakos. It means evil, wickedness in general. We cannot call ourselves children of the king and then live like children of the devil. The word reveals an intense internal desire to harm someone else. If Jesus lives on the inside, malice has to be laid aside on the outside. It has to be taken off and put away, therefore putting aside all malice and all guile. The Greek word is dolov, literally to catch with bait, to deceive someone with speech. It is lying to someone or about someone. Therefore, putting aside all malice, that is, lay it aside, take it off. All guile, lay it aside, take it off. And hypocrisy. Many of us are familiar with the word, but perhaps not the origin of the word. The word hypocrisy comes from the Greek word upakritas, and it actually comes from the realm of the Greek theater. Actors in the first century world were called upakritas, literally hypocrites. If they were performing, they would wear various masks. Those of you that are from my generation have probably seen the comedic mask and the mask of tragedy on the side of many movie theaters. Well, those are the kinds of masks these actors would wear. If they were performing a comedic scene, they would put in front of their face the mask with a smile. If they were performing a tragic scene, they would put in front of their face the mask that had the frown. Therefore, when they were performing on stage, no one ever saw the attitude of the actor. They didn't know if the actor was happy or sad, mad or glad, because their real emotions were hidden behind that mask. Therefore, they were called upakritas, literally mask wearers. And Peter is telling us, when we come to Jesus Christ, we need to take off our mask. We need to be authentic. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy. Quite frankly, we view envy and jealousy as synonymous. And that is not correct. Jealousy is much too soft a word for the concept Peter is conveying. Jealousy is the attitude of desiring what someone else has. Envy is far more insidious. It is the, the feeling of seething hatred, of resentment over what someone else has. It is the attitude 
if I can't have it, then I am going to move heaven and earth to make sure you cannot have it either. Peter says, if Jesus lives on the inside, jealousy must be taken off and laid aside on the outside. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And that is evil speech, speaking about someone else for the purpose of belittling them or defaming their character. If Jesus lives within us, these are the mud-covered clothes we must strip away from our lives. But not only are we to take some things off, we are to put some things on. Look at verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Peter is not suggesting that these hearers are spiritual infants. What he is suggesting in imagery is that an infant longs for nourishment. Ask any parent. Every three hours, they hear the cries. Morning, noon, night, it does not matter. When that child is hungry, that child is going to make sure you know he or she is hungry. It's not that they long to grow. It's that they're hungry and they long for nourishment. But as they partake of that nourishment, growth is inevitable. They long for that nourishment, and out of that desperation for nourishment, they inevitably grow. And Peter says that should be true of every child of God. Birth without growth leads to deformity. If we long for the word, we will study the word. If we study the word, we will grow in respect to our salvation. That is, we will gain a greater understanding and a greater appreciation of what Jesus did for us and how we are to respond to what Jesus has done. And when we come to a better understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, we will in gratitude be more concerned with how we can demonstrate our love for him as a result of what he has done. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And then we come to the conditional phrase, that closes this thought. It appears in verse 3. Let me read it in context. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, all of those things that you are to take off and lay aside, be done with, those mud-covered garments of sin as expressed in those particular items. Not only are they to be taking off, taken off, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if, there's the conditional clause, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. 
if you have been transformed by the kindness God has extended to you in Christ, Peter says you will externally show that same kindness to others. The Greek word for Christ is Christos. The Greek word for kind is Christos. There is only one letter's difference. And Peter is telling his hearers, if you have experienced Christos, you will practice Christos. The evidence of his internal transformation in your life will be externally evidenced by your kindness extended toward others. If you know Christos, you will practice Christos. However, if you do not practice Christos, you obviously do not know Christos. And so Peter is saying, if you've taken off the old things, if you are pursuing the new things, the evidence of that pursuit will be your kindness toward those around you. That is how people around us will know that Jesus lives within us. If you know Christos, you will practice Christos. We will see you next session. Thank you for joining us in this session from 1 Peter. As you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. If you are following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.